Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Attention all young farmers and students, the NFU needs you. Designed to give NFU students and young farmer members uh, the opportunity to impact the future of the agricultural industry by working with the NFU and to put their own stamp on the future of British farming. We'll find out about their ambassador programme, talk black grass and much more with Sean's agronomy update, get the market reports and weather for the week. And if you've got some time available, the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network needs more volunteers. We've got lots of different ways that people can get involved, really depending on their, their skills, uh, their interests and the amount of time that they may have. And what makes a ploughing champion? attention to detail all, all the while you, you know you can't just take your eyes off the plot and be looking at your mobile phone and relying on the gps the week in agriculture this is the farming program with steve orchard hello hope you've had a good week despite more political turmoil and the weather turning decidedly autumnal but being October the 1st yesterday, yellow bellies enjoyed sausages, cheese, stuffed chine, Grimsby fish, accompanied by plum bread, all washed down with a pint of Batemans. Yes, it was Lincolnshire Day yesterday. And although it's not actually happening on the day, there's two days to inform and educate youngsters about Lincolnshire, its farming and food heritage, and an awful lot more at the showground tomorrow and Tuesday. And if you're going, I'll hope to see you there. And congratulations to Shropshire dairy worker Leanne Farrow, who's been named this year's Dairy Industry Woman of the Year. The award by the RABDF's Women in Dairy is part of an initiative to celebrate the achievements of women in the sector, and Leanne is the sixth woman to win the prestigious award. She's not from a farming background, but began her experience in New Zealand 17 years ago and now heads up calf rearing at the Downs family farm in Shropshire. She also set up the successful Shropshire Women in Dairy Group. Congratulations, Leanne. The NFU is on the hunt for young people passionate about agriculture across England and Wales who are looking to make their mark on the industry and shape its future. It's the Union Student and Young Farmer Ambassador Programme and the NFU's James Peck is here. James, what is the programme? Put simply, Steve, it's a year-long series of events designed to give NFU students and young farmer members under the age of 27 uh, the opportunity to impact the future of the agricultural industry by working with the NFU and to put their own stamp on the future of British farming. What do they actually have to do and what kind of time commitment are we talking about? So it is quite a uh, commitment, Steve. Uh, there are events that these guys will be involved with throughout the year. For example, you've got attending the NFU conference for two days. You've also get to guest edit the NFU student and young farmer uh, a takeover edition um, of our magazine and all sorts of other things, including um, being central to the NFU's Back British Farming Day uh, and also manning the float at the Lord Mayor's Show in London uh, in November 2023. So it's a really varied programme designed to boost people's confidence in themselves, but also um, push them forward, get their names out there and uh, make a real name for themselves in the farming industry. And why would somebody take part? What's in it for them? Oh, so many reasons, really. It's an opportunity to represent the younger generation of farmers within the UK's biggest farming membership organisation. Um, you create long-standing relationships with like-minded people from all farming sectors. You're at the heart of political change as it unfolds. 
and um, you're helping the farming industry become more progressive and break boundaries. Um, we also run um, training as part of the programme. So you'll learn how to write for national publications, present to schools, um, speak to the media and engage with MPs. It really is a sort of all encompassing um, umbrella programme that's going to really set you up um, in, in the farming industry and make a name for yourself. And briefly, what's the application criteria and how does somebody apply and find out more information if they want to? OK, so you have to be an NFU student and young farmer member. It's free, by the way. You can sign up um, at nfuonline.com forward slash student. You need to be aged between 18 and 26 on the 1st of January 2023. Have a vested interest in the future of farming and local affairs. You need to be available to attend all the events uh, with confirmed dates. And there's a timetable in um, in our web page, which I'll, I'll point you to in a minute. Yeah, we're looking for, you know, bright young things in the farming industry, I think, uh, put simply. OK, and where can we go for more information and what's the deadline? So uh, if you search uh, NFU Student Young Farming uh, Programme, uh, that'll come up with our web page on it and all the details um, that I've just mentioned will be on there. And the application form's on there as well. And it's open until 31st of October. So there's plenty of time still to go. And I'd encourage anyone uh, not only to apply for themselves, but also to, to you know, encourage people they think would be good for it to, to come forward as well. All right, James, James Peck from the NFU. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks so much, Steve. We find ourselves in challenging times. Financial, business, political and personal problems are driving more and more people sensibly to seek advice and assistance. The Lincolnshire Rural Support Network is one such organisation that's happy to help. But to do this, they need some help too at the moment in the form of more volunteers. Amy Thomas is the charity manager at LRSN. Morning, Amy. Morning. Amy, can we start with you giving us a bit of information for those who might not know about what LRSN does? Yeah, Lincolnshire Rural Support Network uh, provides support to Lincolnshire's farming and agricultural community um, at times of difficulty, whether that be something that's a more emotional, personal issue or, or an issue with business or anything really that causes a person stress and anxiety. We have a helpline and we also do some health screening um, with, with nurses at the, the different markets across the county. You're needing some more volunteers. What would a volunteer with LRSN actually do? Yet yeah, we are desperately looking for some some more willing volunteers. Uh, we have been extremely busy. I think you know that the pressures facing everybody in their day to day lives are uh, really magnified in the farming community. You know where we're thinking about sort of the cost of fuel and heating our homes. You know a lot of our farming community are thinking about that from a business perspective as well. What we're seeing is is a real increase in need for our services. We've had an 86% increase in the number of people asking us for help this year and our helpline has been much, much busier than normal. Uh, so we are looking for volunteers to come and help us with that. So we've got lots of different ways that people can get involved, really depending on their, their skills, uh, their interests and the amount of time that they may have. Those opportunities range from being a volunteer who mans our helpline that just involves having a mobile phone, which we would provide, and being on call uh, to answer telephone calls for us, right through to helping at events. I'm sure you've seen that we've had our health hut out and about quite a lot recently. Yeah, I've, um, ha I've had my yeah. blood pressure taken. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and we've been really busy, actually. It's great to see the team out and about at events more, but we do need some people to help with that. So anyone who'd like to come along and have fun with the team uh, helping at events, whether that be big events like the Lincolnshire Show or coming along to farm sales with the Health Hub, we'd be really grateful for those volunteers as well. Now, you mentioned, depending on how much time somebody's got available, what kind of time commitment are we talking about, Amy? We can be really flexible. We have volunteers uh, who are retired and have lots of time to give right the way through to people who are still working and have much more limited time. And what we try to do is be as flexible as possible so that we can work around our volunteers. Uh, Some of our roles are better suited to people that have a little bit more time, for instance, being able to help us with the casework and the one-to-one can be a little bit more time-consuming. But as a volunteer who helps at events, it's just a case of, of letting us know when, when you are available and coming along to help. So that could be as much or as little time as you have to give. We can be um, quite flexible. Are you looking for any particular type of person or type of experience Yes, we are. We're really keen to have people who come from the farming and agricultural community or who have experience of the farming and agricultural community because it definitely helps when talking to people and out and about. Really, the most important skills that people can have are listening skills and empathy, really. A lot of the rest we can give people in training. Okay, and where do we go for more information about this, Amy? Uh, If you could uh, either give us uh, a quick email at info at lrsn.co.uk or have a look at our website, which is www.lrsn.co.uk and there's some more information on there. Um, We're we're always uh, willing to answer as many questions as people have. All right, Amy, we know about the brilliant work that LRSN does. We've spoken about it several times on the programme in the past, but, uh, yeah, you need some more help, and I hope you get it. So uh, good luck with that. Thanks, Amy, for joining us this morning. Thank you, Steve. To the fields now with a crop update and some timely agronomy advice. It's crop doctor Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. LRSN's an organisation I know that's very close to your heart, isn't it? Yes, morning, Steve. Yeah, I've been involved with the LRSN for well over 20 years now, right from the start, actually. A great bunch of altruistic and totally selfless people. They just want to help others. My dad used to say we were put on this earth to help others, but what the others were put here for is beyond me. Sadly, though, and all joking apart, I do think the way things are going, organisations like LRSN are going to be busier than ever. So if you need them, give them a call. That's what they do. They're always there, wherever, whenever. So, a bit autumnal then this week, so the least full rime frost with an icy windscreen for me tuesday morning drop of rain too and colder by both day and by night and of course now that we're past that autumn equinox the nights are longer than the days things are really starting to change out here the leaves are turning on the trees and the hedges it's dewy in the mornings and it's really nippy out there autumn's thoughts are being caused by autumnal weather but that drop of rain coupled to the cooling temperatures and the change in the day length means that things are starting to happen now in the stale seed bed we're starting to see the emergence now albeit very slowly and in the very early stages of black grass emergence so over the coming couple of weeks these stale seed beds are hopefully going to fill up with a good flush and remember 500 black grass plants a square meter is considered a flush 20 or 30 per square meter is really just part of that first flush so it's important you give these seed beds time and give the black grass time and get them ready for the glyphosate so that you can whip out that flush prior to putting the wheat in the ground unfortunately though 
those black grassy fields which have already been drilled, of which there are far too many around the county and beyond our borders, they're going to have to rely upon a really large helping of pre-em and more importantly luck in order to stop that black grass coming now that the wheat's in and glyphosate is obviously no longer an option. It's not that we as agronomists are being difficult, it's accumulated wisdom and it's born out of scores of trials, years of experience and mistakes and a lifetime of regrets really that tells us not to drill the blackgrass land until much later in October because the main blackgrass germination period is this next two to three weeks or so. And as I say, the blackgrass is only just coming through in these seed beds, so it's only just October. Now I fully understand that it's your farm and it's your choice and I've heard all of the reasons why you've already drilled some of your blackgrass land once again this year as indeed I hear every single year you know if it comes wet we'll never get on again this autumn that's happened once in my 33 years in agronomist I've worked it all I've killed it all so I've drilled it well you haven't killed it if it hasn't germinated though have you it's not a bad field for blackgrass you know well it is, you know it is, I know it is, so telling me that it isn't and expecting me to perform a miracle because actually we both know it is a black grass field is only going to end in frustration and disappointment. It seems that the badness of any given black grassy field seems to vary yearly depending on how many fields you've still got to drill. You know, uh, we'll bump up the preem then, that's another firm favourite, but bumping up a preem when it's already bumped up as high as it'll go isn't really an option. But I do know from over 30 years of doing this job that some things are best just accepted. Lord grant me the serenity to accept that which I cannot change, the knowledge to change that which I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Never a truer word. Now that rain will at least have stopped the drilling for a day or two, so every cloud then, literally. So the rush to the drilling tractor shed held for a day or two thanks to the rain god. Now we agronomists can breathe for a day or two. So yes, I know we have Luximo, which is synmethylene, the new one this year, but it isn't a miracle. It's not magic chemistry. All those other things, including delaying the drilling and the stale seedbed, are absolutely vital to make even synmethylene a successful product. Seed rates as well need to reflect the seedbed conditions, the variety, the likely weed threat. Aiming for 125 plants a square metre at this stage of the season will not be sufficient. 375 to 400 at this stage is going to be way too many. So talk to your advisor, do your sums. It's 1,000 seed weight multiplied by target plants per square metre divided by percentage germination times 100 plus percentage field losses. That's your calculation and assume nothing. Don't just go out and put the same seed rate on you put on last year. Know what you're dealing with. A 1,000 seed weight difference of 10, for example, between 44 and 54 is about 30 kilos hectare of seed. Pre-ems also mean pre-em. Applying the pre-em within 48 hours of drilling is absolutely crucial so that you put a layer of herbicide into the seed bed so that any black grass that chits and roots within that band of herbicide is therefore going to be controlled. Delaying the spraying so that you can go and drill a big block and then go back in a week or so and spray it all with conditions such as they are, still warm soils, we've now got wetter soils, that black grass and indeed the wheat is going to chit within hours and once those black grass roots start to head down and away from the surface you're always going to be chasing them. So drill a field, roll a field, spray a field is by far the best approach and that flash of UV light that you're going to introduce into the seed beds with your drill is only going to hasten that process of blackgrass germination so play the percentages if it's good enough to drill it's good enough to spray cabbage stem flea beetle and slugs still rampant in places in oilseed rape don't relax your efforts certainly don't forget about slugs the bigger oilseed rape plants unlikely to suffer much more from direct feeding from 
cabbage stem flea beetle, but slugs and pigeons are now much a bigger problem. The oilseed rape has romped away this week, I think it's fair to say. Still very little disease out here, but certainly nothing worth treating on any of mine. But plenty of carabid beetles, parasitic fungi, parasitic wasps like Microtonus brassicae, all predating on the cabbage stem flea beetle and the slugs, and they're all doing their bit out there, so they do need our help too, so keep your eyes peeled for slugs. Sugar beet being lifted, good yields too on some of my early lifts, up to 35 tonne to the acre on one farm. The sugar's much lower though, and that new growth that you can see out there coming off the crown is dragging sugar away, that's one of the problems there. And beet moth caterpillars seen here for the first time. You need about five to 700 litres of water per hectare to get any penetration in there if you're using a pyrethroid. So not much point trying to control them. And anyway, the pyrethroids are largely useless on this pest too. So no doubt we'll learn more about this little pest as we go forward. So drilling, I have absolutely no doubt, will be very much underway next week. All joking apart, try to hold off those black grassy fields for another week or two yet and once again the swallows have left before i had a chance to say goodbye so i'm a bit sad about that so i've got a feeling i know what the answer to this is going to be but let's see what the next seven days bring thank you sean sean sparling sparling agronomy services back next week on the farming program the farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook industrial estate grantham supplying the region for over 40 years we have a new ploughing champion in Lincolnshire from Sturton by Stowe. John Crowder went to Northern Ireland recently and not only did he win at the European Championships, but he turned the day into an even more special occasion. John, firstly, congratulations on the big win. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, it was, it was different anyway. Um, I enjoyed going over there and it was all, all a new experience and I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. You've not done, not been involved at that level before, then. No, I've never, never ploughed in the Europeans. Um, I ploughed with a crawler and won the national quite a few times, but I wanted to move up the levels, and uh, it took me three years to win the national with a wheel tractor. Um, and then I got to go over there, which I was delighted about. Excellent. Uh, this might seem a daft question, but for those who don't know, what's involved in a ploughing competition? Um, you've just, well, it, it, I say it's simple. It's took me 25 years to get a perfect <laughs> plot, but, <laughs> um, you know, you just want to be straight and uniform and, and, you know, it's attention to detail all, all the while, you, you know, you can't just take your eyes off the plot and be looking at your mobile phone and relying on the GPS. It's all in your head and your hands sort of thing. You know, it's, it's uh, probably not as simple as meets the eye. What are you actually driving and what, uh, plow are you using? Um, I've got a... Fordson N and the plough it's a Ransom's RSLD major and um, well it started off as that and I've done quite a few modifications over the time to try and get it to go that bit better. So how old's this kit then? About mid mid 40s they both are. It's clearly more than a hobby for you isn't it looking after these uh, these old machines? Yeah I, I work on them every day I try and mess about at nights and try and get it ready to go and do a competition or go to a show or, you know, whatever. Because your next big thing then is at Chatsworth, isn't it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll have a bit of rain, but none on the day. Um, Enjoy ploughing in the national because you get people from all over the country and the only thing that makes you better is competition, really. Let's just talk a little bit about uh, the other aspects of your trip to Northern Ireland because you... Decided that you were going to do something special if you won your class. Yeah, well, I decided beforehand. I thought, well, if I win 
the Europeans, I can't go much better than that. So I thought we'd best uh, get engaged. So um, I asked after the results whether uh, Laura would marry me. And she said yes. And she broke down and cried and we both did. And it was emotional, really. Oh, brilliant. I mean, not only did you win, but you won, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to get married next year and hopefully uh, that'll be it then. Could be a big year for you next year then, John. I wish you all the best. John Crowder from Sturton by Stowe in Lincolnshire. Thanks ever so much for joining us on the farming programme this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Time for our weekly market reports now, starting with livestock and from Louth Livestock Market. Good morning to auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth on Monday, 26th of September. Starting with the prime cattle, which see heifers top at 279 pence per kilo and grows £1,538 for J.E. Thurlby of Kexby, while the steers top at 257 pence per kilo and grows £1,495 for J.C. Scully of Bournemouth. Just a couple of cool cows top at 158 pence per kilo and £1,023 for Pennell Brothers Techney Lock. Store cattle saw steers top at £1,240 and heifers top at £1,270 for N. Johnson of Stickney, while a herd dispersal of the sandstone herd of pedigree limousines on behalf of John Stone top at 2300 for cows and calves back in calf. That wraps the cattle up and moving on to the sheep. And a market miss last week, Julie, sees an increased number with 497 lambs on offer to SQQ at 235.76 pence per kilo. Top goes to AJ Colson and Sons at 280 pence per kilo, while a pound per head was topped by LJ Fairman and Son of Filesorpe at 121 pounds. Moving on to the cool ewes and a record-breaking entry with 214 cool ewes penned and sold through the ring, which sees the good, the bad and the ugly to leave an all-in average of £81.86. Must be mentioned there was everything from Texels, Charolais and Suffolk right down to Herdwicks, Swales and Easy Cares. Top goes to Scribblesby Farms Limited at £147 per head. Handful of store lambs on offer of 77 with a bit of a special entry from A. Cooling this week, seeing all-in average of £66.34. That'll be slightly less, however, all the lambs on offer were all long-keep lambs. Top goes to A. Cooling of Nettleton at £80 per head. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers and vendors. Next week, we've got our weekly sale of prime and cool cattle and sheep. And on Friday, the 7th of October, is our first special show and sale of suckle calves and store cattle. Sale to start at midday. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you. Thanks, Oliver. And how have the grain markets responded to another week of political turmoil here and abroad? Open Fields' Alice Killam. Good morning. Morning all. The start of the week saw a focus on currency, namely a weakening pound against the euro and the firming dollar. This helped to boost UK ex-farm prices as it makes UK wheat more export competitive against imported commodities such as milling wheat and maize. Wednesday saw some slight recovery on the back of the Bank of England stepping in to confirm that they would buy government bonds. Export potential remains a focal point, with tensions seemingly worsening over the last two weeks. Although, to be clear, nothing has changed yet in terms of the corridor. It's the sentiment and concern of what might happen next, which is the current driver. We are currently waiting for Vladimir Putin to announce the four new areas of annexed Ukraine that he is claiming to be part of Russia. This will give him a land corridor to Crimea and the Black Sea. The news has been understandably taken very badly by the rest of the world. Interesting to note that Ukraine exported over 1 million tonnes last week, despite Putin ramping up his efforts on the war. 
Arguably, you could say they are now moving more despite all of the above. Interestingly, though, 48% of the grain moved so far has been maize. This is likely to be old stock and therefore old sales that have been delayed since February. Logic would have it that if the grain corridor gets scrapped, then we will see our ex-farm values head north again. Some of this increase has probably already been factored in after the rally last week. On the other end, Russia has once again increased its expected crop size. If they shut the corridor completely, surely they are decreasing their own likelihood of getting all of their own crop out. And let's not forget they need cash. It's a very difficult argument to debate. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do to sway it. We have to sit back and watch. Feed barley continues to look cheap versus feed wheat. This is a prime example of physical demand worries. We have had some good inquiries from Southern Europe in the last week, adding on the strain from the EU, who will be short of about 15 million tonnes of maize. Feed barley starts to look like an attractive option and one which might be needed in the coming months. Good news on the rapeseed market this week. After several weeks of values falling, it has moved significantly higher. Volatility continues, with many factors influencing the vegetable oil markets. Demand for domestic rapeseed remains strong, with few sellers coming forward. Monday saw crude oil fall to nine-month lows, pressured by the strengthening dollar and fears of a recession. A rebound followed on Tuesday. The market was also supported by supply curbs in the US Gulf of Mexico, as some oil companies were forced to evacuate workers ahead of Hurricane Ian. Your prices for this week. Feed wheat, October 261 to 271, December 273 to 283, and January 23, 274 to 284. You're looking at a pound carry per month on from here, with milling wheat premiums around the 40 to 45 pound mark. Barley, November 245 to 255, December 246 to 256, and January 23, 247 to 257. For malting premiums, please speak to your open field FBM. All seed rape, October 517 to 527, November 519 to 527 and December 520 to 530. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Calm and mild for the time of year for the first half of the week and mostly dry too. Highs in the mid-teens Celsius and overnight lows around 10. From midweek onwards, we see the wind pick up, mostly from the southwest, gusty on Wednesday and speeds generally around 20 miles per hour for the second half of the week. Some heavy rains expected on Wednesday, but then sunny spells and daytime highs in the upper teens to end the week. Next week on the programme, we'll look at the touchy subject of succession planning and find out all about farmer time. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.